Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win it real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel, clueless just like you, and figuring out how the adult world works week by week. And this week, we're talking about your health, which is incredibly important, as I'm sure your parents have told you many times, although I will fully admit I don't have a doctor here in New York. I don't have an eye doctor, although I wear glasses. I don't have a regular doctor. I don't have any kind of doctors. And I haven't really done anything except one time I went to the nurse at work because my ankle sort of hurt. And basically what she told me to do was take Advil, which I did. But since staying healthy is such an important thing, I thought we would talk to someone today who is an expert in all things medical to figure out what exactly you need to know about your own health, how to find a doctor that's right for you, what kind of questions you need to be asking them, and what signs you need to look out for to make sure that you're staying on top of all of your own health issues. So with me today is Dr. Roshini She is a board-certified gastroenterologist and internist with a special interest in women's health. She's also an attending physician at NYU Langone Medical Center and a clinical associate professor of medicine at NYU School of Medicine. So hi, Dr. Raj. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love talking about health, especially with young, young women, young people. And I... Know that health is important, but I also know that I'm the last person that anyone wants to go to for health advice. I'm, <laughs> I'm the person that's on WebMD diagnosing myself with the bubonic plague because I have a cough. You know what I mean? That's right, the type right. of person and I am. you're not alone there. A lot of people are be going to Dr. Google to find out <laughs> what's right. wrong with them. That's, yeah. that's always been my go-to. Type your symptoms in, freak out that you have you know something awful, incurable. But somehow my immune system has seemed to survive all of these crazy things I've diagnosed myself with. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about today was I think it's so easy for young people, young women to think, you know, I'm on my parents' health insurance, so I go home for the holidays, get a little checkup, and, you know, we're young, we're healthy, this is such, you know, you can do anything. People are always like, oh, you're, I wish I was in my 20s, you know, I, you can do yeah. anything. And why do you think now is, at this age, is such an important time for us to be really invested, concerned, and on top of our own personal health and health information? Well, I think, first of all, I totally agree with you that the majority of people in their 20s don't really prioritize health. And, you know, and I was 20 once myself (laughs) many years ago, and I get it. You know, this is a time where we're really focusing on either career or relationships, and we're just, we feel that we're so busy. And, you know, most of the time, knock on wood, we are generally fairly healthy. So since we feel okay and we have energy, we don't think there's any reason to see a doctor. But this is a mistake, and and the reason why it's so important in your 20s to make sure you're on top of your health is a lot of the chronic conditions and diseases that appear later on in life, they really do start early on. And the habits that you form and the behaviors that you're practicing in your 20s could really determine your risk and whether or not you do develop these other conditions later on in life. So being on top of your health is extremely important in your 20s. And I do think seeing a doctor on a regular basis is a great way to not only get kind of sort of standard checkups, but also talk about some of the things that affect our health that we may not be thinking about, things like how we're sleeping, how we're exercising, how we're managing stress, our diet. And, you know, not every doctor is 
kind of well-versed in discussing those things, but if you can find a good one who's willing to sit down and take the time and really do like a 360 assessment of your lifestyle, I think that will really go a long way towards keeping you healthy for the long haul. And I think something that you said is exactly what so many of my friends, at least, when I talked to them about this topic and told them that I'd be talking with you today, was so concerned about is finding the doctor. I mean, we've all grown up with the family doctor. I mean, in some cases, it's the same doctor that delivered you is now your doctor, right. or it's the same doctor that you've been seeing when, you know, you needed your shots for camp and then when you needed to get flu shots or had your stomach ache, whatever, things like that. So you move to a new city. And do you think it's important to have a doctor in your city as opposed to, you know, someone like me who's just sort of relying on those trips home for the holidays to kind of knock out all my doctor's appointments? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. And one of the reasons why it's great to have a good local doctor is, you know, when you don't and something comes up, you end up going to, you know, an urgent care where you don't know anyone or an ER And those places, while they serve a purpose, are not the optimal place to get health care. You know, you really get a better level of care if you're with a doctor who knows your history, has your prior records, you know, because otherwise you end up sort of starting from scratch every time you go to a health care facility, and you may end up getting unnecessary tests because they just don't know your history, and you may not even get the correct diagnosis because they don't know you that well. So I think for that reason, it's really important to be connected and have a doctor locally that you can go to, not only for your regular checkups, but if something happens last minute and you need to see them. And the other thing that you you raised was sort of the family doctor you've seen forever. Right. Like, you just get so comfortable with them. You know, as we grow older and we're not kids anymore, there are definitely topics that we may not feel comfortable discussing with the doctor that's known us since we were three years old, you know, and whether it's sex or, you know, I'm a gastroenterologist, so I definitely hear what the topics that other people consider embarrassing. I don't, but, you know, diarrhea, bloating, gas, you just may not feel comfortable talking about these with that old school doctor that you've had for so long. And you definitely need to find a doctor that you can discuss anything with, whether it's drugs that you've taken or how much alcohol you're drinking. Because if you don't give your doctor the full picture, they can't give you the best care. That's Um, true. So I do think it's really important. Okay, so it's important to have a doctor. So I guess the next question would be how to find one. And there are apps out there like ZocDoc that so many people swear by. Um, There's that new app that's Maven that seems to be more about like you kind of FaceTime with doctors and sets you up more digitally with finding the right doctor for you. So how do you recommend that someone just move to a new city, really needs a doctor, really a little uncomfortable with, you know, just finding someone and them not being a good fit, how do you go about finding a good doctor for you? Sure. I mean, I I think the apps and everything are okay, but I think when it comes to a doctor, I mean, look, this isn't like booking a hair appointment or finding a good restaurant to have dinner with and have dinner at it on a Saturday night. This is an extremely important relationship that could literally save your life or not, you know, depending yeah. on what, what comes up in, in terms of your health history. So... I personally think a personal recommendation is the best way to go. If you have a close friend or a work colleague that you can say, you know, who do you go to? And the best, I think, is asking another doctor. So asking either your doctor from, let's say, if you move from another city, you could ask them, do you know anyone in, in the new city? Or even if you have a friend who's a doctor or even an acquaintance, because as doctors, we kind of get the inside scoop on the other doctors in our community, and mm-hmm. we and we really can get a sense of who's good and, and who can take the time and 
who's well known for maybe their research or you know their teaching. And I, that's what I do if I need a doctor. I'll call one of my doctor friends and say, well, who would you go to or who would you send your mother to? Right. Because, you know, online apps are okay and there are reviews there. But, you know, when you think about reviews, it's usually just the few disgruntled people that write the reviews or occasionally you'll get a positive one. But I don't find them to be that helpful when it comes to choosing a doctor. What doctor, like I'm a relatively healthy person yeah. other than the occasional dramatic WebMD diagnosis. Right. So what kind of doctor do I need? Like, do I need an army of doctors or is there just one doctor that young women should be seeing? No, you know, young yearly? women basically need what we call a primary care physician. And actually for young women, it, it could be um, an internist, which is someone who specializes in internal medicine, which is just sort of the basic general you know, everything medicine, Mm -hmm. or even their gynecologist, because every woman basically needs a gynecologist. Right. That gynecologist could also serve as their primary care physician. So kind of just doing the basic checkups in addition to, you know, the gynecologic checkups. So that's where I would start. And then, you know, in terms of like, yeah, you're feel healthy and, and everything, that's great. But sometimes I feel like people feel like they're healthy. But, you know, when you really start to tease out and ask them questions, things pop up that maybe they thought were normal but weren't, and certainly not trying to alarm anyone. But I think it's just important to pay attention, really just pay attention to your body. So there are conditions out there that you may not be aware of that you actually have, and you're just sort of living with certain maybe somewhat subtle symptoms that have been going on for so long, you almost think it's normal for you but isn't actually and, and should be investigated. And when you head to those, we were talking about annual checkups, yeah. um, you head to that first checkup in the new city or, you know, whatever you're going to the first time on your own, what medical information do you need to bring with you and what are the questions you definitely need to make sure you ask your new doctor? Yeah, great question. So first of all, I think bring kind of as much as possible, as much as you have. I think it's always helpful. So if you've had any prior procedures, blood tests, any x-rays, anything like that. If you have the records or the results, bring them. That's really helpful for your doctor. If you can beforehand kind of ask your relatives and get a detailed family history, that's very helpful as well. Writing down all the medications you take if you take any. Because, you know, sometimes it's just it's sort of nerve-wracking or intimidating to be in the doctor's office, and sometimes mm-hmm. you just forget literally everything <laughs> that right. you're going to ask about or say. So, you know, writing down a few things you were wor- worrying about or wondering about on a piece of paper just so you have it in case it slips your mind when you're in the office is a great thing to do. And in terms of what questions to ask, you know, other than if you have a specific complaint or worry, I think it's important to ask the doctor if they are planning on doing some blood tests or, you know, they often do some routine tests. When when do are you going to get the results and how are you going to get the results? So kind of in the old days, a lot of doctors would say, well, you know, if you don't hear from me, that means everything was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really not okay anymore. That We found that, you know, too many things can fall through the cracks and maybe something wasn't normal, but the result got lost or the doctor never heard back. So you want a very specific plan of whether it's you're going to call the office in a week or the doctor's going to call you or something will be emailed to you. Like you really want to know that they're on top of any test that's done and, and how you're going to receive that information. That's one of the most important questions to ask. It's also helpful to ask, you know, just the office staff, you're a new patient, you'll see the doctor for the first time. If you do need to see the doctor urgently for something, you know, is that possible? Do you, Is there a covering doctor? How long do you normally have to wait? 
those kind of questions are helpful as well. And what do you do if you go to that first appointment and you just don't like your doctor? Yeah, you know what? Can you quit? I, can you quit you the practice? <laughs> yeah, well, it remind that reminds me because when we were talking about how do you find the right doctor, personal recommendations are great. Online reviews can be helpful, but there's nothing that replaces that human to human interaction. You know, it's kind of like a first date, and you know, all your friends might think he's a great guy, but you may not agree. <laughs> right. So you, if you are not feeling it, you should just find another doctor. It's not something that you should try to force because, again, it's really important that you feel comfortable in that office and that you really feel like they're not rushed, that they're paying attention, that they're not judging you, so that you will feel comfortable divulging, revealing everything that you need to about your health and, and get the best care. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation that now in our 20s, although, you know, we're healthy and young and millennials and great, there's a lot of things that if we take care of ourselves now, making a big investment in your health for the future. And I mean, I've heard that everywhere. I feel like sleep is the big buzzword now that getting good sleep now and growing those strong bones really pays off in the future. So what are some of those essential things that, you know, young 20-something-year-old women should be doing to keep themselves healthy in the long term? Yeah, well, Sleep is huge, as you mentioned. You mentioned bone strength, so regular exercise, which is great for every part of your body, but also in terms of osteoporosis prevention, which is something women we have to worry about as we get older. The younger you start doing that, the better. Even something as simple as skin cancer. You know, we know that the sun damage that you get is cumulative, and the earlier you get it, the worse it is. So those sunburns you're getting at age 21 can certainly affect your risk of skin cancer at age 49. So these are things you really need to be aware of as you're younger. And and same thing with your diet. You know, we know that the more animal fat you have in your diet, the higher your risk for not only heart disease, but many types of cancer. And cancers are things that, for the most part, don't come out of the blue. You know, they may seem like they do, but they are brewing for a long time in your body. And, And that means that, you know, 10, 20 years before you're diagnosed with it, things are going on in your body that are are germinating and things like your diet can affect whether or not it happens or not. And same thing with exercise in terms of cancer prevention. So I think, you know, what 20-year-olds need to be doing is sleeping more. I mean, we all need to sleep more. Yeah, I wish. (laughs) In general, probably sleep less than most of us. And then really focusing on regular exercise and, and diet as well. So you mentioned things germinating in your body now that are going to show up later. So not thinking about, you know, random cough or having a stomachache, but what are some actual real warning signs that people should really look out for? Um, Not even specific to your 20s, but just like things to look out for in your body and be in touch with your body that you would need to call a doctor and you do need to pay attention to. First of all, I think a general rule of thumb is change. Change is generally bad when it comes to your body. <laughs> so okay. if you've noticed a change, so for example, if you generally weigh, I don't know, 140, and all of a sudden you're losing weight, you're not trying to lose weight, but you lo- you're losing weight. You go to, from 140 to 120 in three months and you were not trying. That is significant. Weight loss, we definitely worry about when someone's not trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, could be a sign of a whole host of chronic conditions, and cancer is certainly something we think about. So weight loss is a big one. I would say a change in your bowel habits. So if you're someone who used to go regularly every day like clockwork and now you're going once a week or the opposite, you're going five times a day and you used to go you know, just once a day, any change in your bowel habits, 
again, could be something like Crohn's, EPI, celiac. It's something you want to have investigated for sure. Blood in the stool, bleeding really anywhere, unexplained bleeding is, is important to, to have investigated. And then fatigue, and it's hard to tease out because yeah, that's we're a hard all kind one. of sleep-deprived and tired. But if you feel like even, you know, you try to get a good few good nights of sleep and you're still feeling just profoundly tired, and, and not just that you're sleepy, but your, your muscles feel tired, you feel kind of achy and just, you know, it's, you don't have energy to do your normal activities, that's another reason to seek medical attention that, you know, there's something going on. And fevers as well. I think that sleep has been, at least this first year of the real world, has been the biggest shock of how much it affects your whole system. I mean, the days that I don't get a good night's sleep or the days that I'm really restless or like even just now with it being 105 million degrees outside so I can't sleep through the night, it is such a noticeable difference like the next day that you can't focus that someone says something to you and you like or me at least I just want to cry like anything someone says to me I'm oversensitive to and you can't focus and you're you can't you you want to you're so hungry all the time it's such a weird easy thing that affects your whole life so many of the effects of of lack of sleep right you're more emotionally we call it labile or just sensitive you are you tend to eat more unhealthy foods and higher calorie foods so it's not good for that reason you tend to be more forgetful and not as attentive at work. I mean, and some studies have shown how sleep deprivation is very similar to the effect of of alcohol on your brain, you know? So, like, it really can affect you profoundly um, when you don't get enough sleep, both short-term and long-term. I was also thinking about how people, this theme of, you know, first year out of college or whatever it is, and I was thinking about this because I got a really nasty cut on my arm the other day, And not only did I not have Band-Aids in my apartment, but I didn't have Neosporin, like all these things that are just in your house growing up in your first aid cabinet that all of a sudden you don't have. And so you're like bleeding out of every arm and there's nothing you can do about it. So what are what do you think every young person should have in their first aid cabinet in their first apartment? Well, I think generally if you get like a fir- literally a first aid kit, it has most of the things you need. And that would include, of course, Band-Aids, some kind of antibacterial ointment like Neosporin to clean a cut if you have one. You want some pain relievers. I mean, most of us at some point will have a headache or a cramp. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tylenol is probably the better one. I'm not sure if you saw, but recently there's been some warnings about the other types of the anti-inflammatory pain medicine, things like ibuprofen, that they increase your risk of heart attack and stroke. Now, that's probably not going to happen from one pill, but if Tylenol does the trick for you, I'd rather people take that. And, you know, you just want generally some bandages. If, you know, if you have a deeper cut, it'd be a good idea to have maybe an over-the-counter antacid because a a lot of us, uh, you know, at some point might eat something a little bit too too spicy or too rich and get a little bit of stomach upset. So that can be helpful. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't recommend taking too much over-the-counter without kind of just giving a quick call to your doctor just to double-check because we're just learning more and more about how even over-the-counter medicines have side effects, potential interactions, potentially increase your risk for certain things. So I always like people to, you know, unless it's something very simple, just touch base with their doctor. That makes sense. Well, I really appreciate all of your help today. I think this is a lot of good information, and I definitely will look into getting a doctor finally after my, my one year anniversary here in New York is coming up in the next month. And I think probably the time has come to get a doctor. Yes. 
yeah, it's a perfect occasion to uh, per- <laughs> get on track with your health. It's Absolutely. It's perfect time to finally start being a healthy individual. Well, Dr. Yeah. Raj, thank you so much again for all of your insight. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics that you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel, and I'll add them to my list. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and review the show in iTunes under Adulthood Made Easy. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel. And don't forget to buy a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll have more answers next time.